Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated, and aired live every week, only on the Nonproductive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Ahoy, hoy. Hey. And also Al. Hello. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. This special episode, we're going to go deep into the IDW Hasbroverse, or at least one aspect of it, Transformers. You know, those robots that are more than meets the eyes. Ah, yes. Leader One, Psykill, Turbo. Yes, of course. Those are the Transformers. Uh, we're not going to do a GoBots o- opening for this episode. <laughs> we also have some Marvel DC news and you know some trailer stuff that came out and a bunch of really weird Infinity War things. Uh, it's going to be a jam-packed show, so let's get right into it. Uh, Al, you're the one who wanted us to do this, which sounds very ac- accusatorial. I did not mean that. But you wanted us oh, to no, explore. I, f- I feel like that. Oh, yeah, you yeah, do. I do. Ken I is do. upset at you personally. <laughs> Al, what is it about the IDW Hasbroverse, and I'm not sure if I'm using that word correctly, that um, attracted you, I'm hoping? Well, I picked up one singular issue of Chaos Theory a couple years back, and something about Optimus Prime in that singular issue made me decide I'm going to get into comic books again. Really? I I not bought a comic book in probably a decade. And I read this one issue and I just immediately fell in love and you're, just decided I was But you're a big fan of Transformers and of the um the franchise in most of its respects for like for years now. You've liked them since you were youngish? No, actually. It was probably the comic books that more spawned to this than the other way around actually. Wow. All uh, right. I like I mean I liked Beast Wars when I was a kid. But that was kind of about the extent of my fandom. Like, it kind of got, it really got sparked again uh, through the comic books. It's interesting that you said Beast Wars as a kid, because that's probably how I got back into Transformers. For me, it was the original animated series, Generation 1 is what it's referred to now. Back in what, 84? Yeah, 84. The extended toy commercial that was (laughs) uh, the original Transformers cartoon. That first movie experience, I think we've talked about this on this and other podcasts. Ad nauseum? (laughs) Yes, where we just like, the first time you've experienced death is seeing, spoiler alert, Optimus Prime just fade away. He gets better. Yeah, well, it's true, but not not in that movie, movie. <laughs> uh, and yeah, for the I think that was the majority of my experience with Transformers initially. I think what's pretty important to state later on is I started falling off of Transformers after the movie. And one of the reasons I'd stopped liking it is I felt it was less grounded. This is a very stupid thing for a kid to feel, but I definitely, this is how I uh, verbalized it as a child, is I don't like that the Transformers are turning into spaceships. They don't look like anything anymore. So that's going to be, put put a little tag, a bookmark on that, because I'm going to get back to it once we start reviewing some of these comics. But yeah, that's basically it for me. A little bit afterwards with Beast Wars, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, That's that's the majority. I think I read some Marvel comics. I can't remember. I think I read some of the Marvel comics comics in the 80s too but uh again uh, same deal as you frank i mean watch the cartoon as a kid um it wasn't my all-time favorite but i appreciated it and watched it every afternoon coming home like i think everybody did at, mm-hmm. at, at that point and then getting into the comic books and then appreciating the movie and i think i kind of did drop off around the same time you did too whenever when they started introducing the new characters and i kind of felt like I didn't care yeah, as I mean, a kid. It's fair enough. At that, at the age we were at, probably that's when we should have stopped reading or watching a cartoon show for kids. The comics started getting a little bit more adults um, almost immediately. Yeah, I think the, the Marvel comics were always fairly sophisticated stories. I don't, I don't know that I want to say 
adults, right? Uh, geared towards adults, but it was much more so- sophisticated than just a a kids comic book. I was a lot like you, Frank. I I followed the Generation One cartoons. I wasn't actually allowed to watch them when I was a kid <laughs> uh, because the, the the robots in that used guns. Oh, all right. I <laughs> and see. I, I was forbidden from watching TV shows where the characters use guns. Oh, so <clears throat> how did GI G- Joe? No. All right. No G.I. Joe. I was allowed to watch GoBots. Why? Because they were just pathetic? No, because they shot laser beams from their hands. hands. (laughs) (laughs) So I can picture your parents going, if he can figure out a way to do that, he deserves to take over the world. (laughs) uh, It's what you get when you're raised by hippies, man. Nice. uh, I like that. But yeah, um, yeah, Generation 1 cartoons, I, I... grabbed in little bits and pieces when i could and i was always interested in the uh the characters i i I always i liked the way they were designed uh i tried generation two when marvel came up with it came out with that and that confused me yeah (laughs) it was like there was like 12 issues or something like that if that um and then i i saw beast wars for the first time and said what 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 the huh (laughs) Yeah, it didn't. This, actually, you know what? I, I remember watching Beast Wars back in the 90s, too, and I actually liked it. It was like that early... I did enjoy it. It was like that one of the first like computer-generated cartoon thing. Yeah. Beast Wars, I thought it was interesting. I couldn't stand that I didn't understand how it fit into the old but Generation 1 But it did eventually. If you stuck around long enough, you would have seen that See, they, but it, it lost. A, it took me too long. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why is this gorilla Optimus Prime, oh. but he's not... Optimus Prime. Yeah. Stop stop saying all after Optimus Prime. <laughs> what the hell? He's clearly Optimus Prime. Why don't you address this? I actually acknowledge re- the cartoons I watched when I was a kid. This that is, is basically the internet made into a soundbite by Pete. <laughs> that that was my internal reaction upon watching the first couple of episodes of Beast Wars. Yeah. And and Consequently, why I turned it off because like, you're not going to talk about it. Fine, I'm not watching this. So to show you a little bit how much of a uh, originalist I am, I liked Beast Wars mostly because they, when they eventually did find the vessel and they saw the unconscious bodies of all these, uh, you know, generation and, and had one, one of the best lines of all time: diecast molding. It's a lost art. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way that the camera was great. Yeah, I really did enjoy that. As for well, this is a comic book review uh, show. As for the comic books, I mean, I I'm dimly aware of them. The Marvel comics, I think I read issues here and there, never long enough for a full arc. At that age, you know, I couldn't really afford to buy all the comics, so you could only get what you get. Uh, And I do remember, much a little older, uh, Transformers crossing over with G.I. Joe, which sounded like genius and also insane, but like, they worked. And Mm -hmm. I I hope we get to talk about some of those books later on, on your mint. But uh, I think the most recent book, which is only a little bit before this time, was All Hail Megatron which was, I think, a big one that a lot of people got back into. And this is this is IDW's heyday with the Transformers license. So it's not the book we're going to review this time around. We are reviewing on Al's suggestion. What was the book called? Last Stand of the Wreckers. Last Stand of the Wreckers. All right. So I, I think we should get right into it. The, get us the basic uh, recap, the synopsis of what the story is about, Al. Okay. So a Autobot prison planet has been taken over by a very powerful Decepticon leader, Overlord, and... Overlord is his name. Is his I name. feel that that's important to say yep. because they na- it was a little confusing. <laughs> You're named correctly in the Transformers <laughs> universe for the most part. Yeah. How, do you, can you imagine him being like, I don't know very what... Very meek. What a, what a, <laughs> no, no. Can you imagine him as, as a child or when he's first <laughs> built? 
<laughs> and his name is Overlord. They legit do go into that, like, in later comics. Like, that's oh, a wow. thing that happens, that's actually. It's like, when, when, when he's got his first job working <laughs> at, like, Wada Energon Cube. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Whataburger mixed with an Energon Cube. That's what That's what. Well, I'm did. trying to think what a, what a Transformer fast that food restaurant would be. That joke is not lost on the, on the comic books. Oh, good uh, lord. Uh, <laughs> all right. There oh, we go. my word. So, yes, uh, Overlord is a Decepticon, takes over the prison planet. Yep. Um, he essentially lets all the Decepticons and run wild, and basically the Wreckers are like this kind of suicide squad of the Autobots, and they get sent in to go and rescue the prisoners, quote unquote. And this is that's just the story of a right. That's the overarching story. It's five issues long, pretty easy to get into, I would think, uh, and it is collected in a trade paperback by IDW. So I was excited to read this. It's been a long time since I read any Transformers comics. I wanted to get into something. Somebody who was a big Transformers fan suggested it. Uh, I, I may I suggest an alternative uh, recap of this book? Sure. It's Heart of Darkness with Transformers. In many ways. It is Heart of Darkness. It's Apocalypse Now yeah. with Transformers. Say, it's closer to Apocalypse uh, yeah, Now. It's yeah, it's probably you're... closer to Apocalypse Now than Heart of Darkness. But uh, uh, for those of you who didn't know, Apocalypse Now was based on a Heart of Darkness. Yeah, a group of soldiers go into this godforsaken area to rescue somebody who is arguably beyond rescuing. Uh, uh, it they do they they play with the tropes on this a lot and in fact some of the more diabolical people aren't necessarily the good guys so that there we go but it does make you question a lot of things uh, basic tenets of the Transformers universe which is Autobots good tra- Decepticons bad right I think that's a pretty fair yeah that's that's pretty fair of it so Al Al uh, one question that I have because I'm completely new to the IDW Transformers verse. Right. Uh, I am curious why you thought this was the book that we should jump into this with. I picked Last Stand of the Wreckers because it's basically one of the most acclaimed of the uh, books that come out of IDW. Beyond that, it's got one of my favorite writers on it, which is uh, James Roberts, and also another writer I really like, which is Nick Roche. And I really like the dialogue. Like, that's a big thing for me. Like, I really enjoy it. There's a lot of stuff like what Frank was saying, like where you question about what it means to be an Autobot, what it means to be a wrecker kind of uh, concepts. And I feel like it it hits on a lot of things that lets you know, hey, this isn't going to be G1. And we're all going to like laugh and goof off and everyone. There'll be a lesson at the end. Yeah, blue, yeah. blue and red lasers are going to fly and no one gets hurt. And it works really well. And also, I really like a lot of the characters in here. Um, I like Springer. I like Perceptor. I like uh, Iron Fist. I like the new guys that show up. And even though he gets taken out real early, I really like Rotorstorm. I think he's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised, doing a little research on this, I'm surprised how many of the characters were new to this book. Yeah, but that's... And also, I really like the artwork. I'll be real on that one. Mm-hmm. I think that both Nick Roche and Guido Guidi did really good on this. I can understand, like, there's a, li- there's a lot of times where it gets kind of crowded. And unfortunately, this is a problem that uh, Roberts carries on to his own book, where he jams in a lot of dialogue that probably should have been spent using on page space for letting the characters breathe a little bit more. But overall, I do still like it. And I'm really excited to hear what you guys think about the book. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the book. It's been, a, again, a while since I read any Transformers. I was surprised by how um, 
mature and grim it was. It is not. It does not pull punches. People mm. or Transformers are brutally destroyed in this thing, through, like from issue one, right? And it just gets more and more hectic. I did not expect quite the the war story. We we joke around about Transformers the animated movie being traumatic with the the seeing main characters with the holes in their chest and what have you. But this is extremely graphic. Um, maybe more than I would have expected, and probably more than I think a, a, a person would have expected if they were handing the book off to a youngster. And it <laughs> is tough, Transformers. It is kind of weird when you think of them as, I mean, it's robots. Right. So it's just gears and stuff going around and, and I guess, uh, hydraulic fluid. Yeah, yeah. That's but it does, it does, when you're reading it, when you're in it, it's, it's very gory. Mm-hmm. Certain characters are dissected during the story, and they are conscious throughout. Some are near lobotomized or uh, traumatized. Torture is brought up. Uh, the killing of prisoners. The themes are incredibly Ooh. adult in this book. And again, I could see that being a problem for certain people. I'm not saying like, what are the children? Think of the children. But like, uh, what is it? Rescue squad? Robot rescue bots or something? Yeah, is, that's it. Like, Transformers isn't like it's one of those properties where it, it knows the audience is getting older, so... It's everything new is only for the audio older audience. I don't think if you made a movie version of this, you'd get a, a PG. I, oh, I, no, I don't no, think no, you'd no. get a PG-13. No, no. I honestly don't think if Mark Wahlberg was in the book, <laughs> that it would make it better. Um, that was a weird sentence, but I stick by it. But my, my biggest problem with the book is... I don't know what it is. I'm not exactly sure why, and it could be because of their alternate forms... I had huge issues telling one character apart from the other. Mm -hmm. They all looked and sounded the same to some extent. Even though their personalities did eventually show up, it was really hard to match names with personality, with character, with alternate form, all of it. And, and it made the reading experience very awkward. I have to agree with you on that one, Frank. Um, I understand that there is a Transformers aesthetic that you kind of have to conform to. You need to make these guys look like the 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 Transformer look, the right. blocky arms or whatever. Not entirely all the time, but that does limit the artist's ability to draw different characters or characters that are very visually different to a human being's eyes. Right. Where like a superhero yeah. story, even if they're all wearing costumes, you can you can yeah. usually tell the difference between which characters yeah, they are. Because we're, we're used to, you know, identifying one human from another right. most of the time. I think what makes this much more difficult is, and I, I was thinking back to the old Marvel comics. One of the things in the IDW comics is all of the backgrounds in these panels are hyper detailed. Oh yeah. And usually you're on a spaceship or a robot planet. <laughs> you're right. And it's it there the background is the same as the robots. As the as the characters and they blend in and it makes it so much more difficult to differentiate one character from another because they blend in in one metallic mush. Especially in the battle scenes where everyone's fighting, it's hard to even tell points who's holding or grappling yeah. who. I would really have a. I think it, it would have worked a lot better if a few of the panels every now and then would just give us, you know, a splash of color for the background. You're fighting on a red background. I, I, one of the things I remember, a, a lot of the storytelling in the Marvel ones, from time to time, they would just have... It would be like a blank it, white background. It would be a blank white background. I, I have a picture in my head of a blank 
red background mm. with two silhouetted Transformers fighting. And you could tell just by the silhouettes mm-hmm. which the two which two characters they were. And that's one of one of that is a favor of the how iconic some of these earlier characters are, at least to us. But also, um so I I just quickly look through the book right now. There are panels that are like that, but they're few and far between. Mm. Yeah, I mean I don't think they really get into that to like the end fight scene where they get that solid red background. Right. But it's yeah. a problem up until like the last couple issues where they finally kind of figure it out. Yeah. I, actually, I'll say I, I was I was confused reading the last couple pages of the last issue, even watching all that stuff. I still couldn't tell what, what was going on. In a few cases, I did have to go back a few panels to be like, did this character really die? Or was it like a fake out? Is this some something to do with the plot line? Because in some cases, someone's weapon looks very similar to somebody else's weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's it, I know it's ridiculous, but it's a silhouette thing where you look at it and you're like, I'm not quite sure who I'm looking at right now. Uh, so that was my biggest takeaway my, my my biggest like negative for the book me personally i guess going in um it, it was a writing problem for me uh, i i i think it was more like the transformers exploitation story in a way <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um but again I, I think it lacked a lot of character development i couldn't tell who was who and you know i agree with pete and and, and frank on on a lot of this um you know periodically give us a reminder of who, who the character is during it, even if you just mention him by name in the panel while he's on panel, you know, it would have helped out a little more. And the one thing that bothered me too, which one was the one that was like an Optimus Prime clone that they... Oh, Pyro. That, it was Pyro, right? I love yeah. that they they didn't acknowledge that until like, I think maybe the second book or so. Like it was a little bit longer. I'm like, is that supposed to be Optimus Prime? It's like, because I haven't read the book. So maybe like something, maybe he got demoted. Or, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. But then eventually they kept making fun of him for being a fanboy. And I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> so I, it, it, I was annoying at first, was, but then eventually yeah, I was like, it, all right, I like was, that. It was like weird. It. it was weird and took me out of it um, did, while we're talking about that real quick did anybody read the uh the supplemental stuff the uh, the extras no in there because they do character sketches in the uh in the extras and this the character sketch for pyro mentions that it's primacy uh i can't remember what it was but it's it's a mental disease in transformers oh yeah, yeah. that they want to emulate optimus prime <laughs> So like it's like this is that this they is like have. A, a yeah oh, wow. and 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 it's it's this is a psychological disorder that the character has it feels and like everybody's it. making fun of him <laughs> I was like that adds this entirely new cruel well, dimension over like, it that's like if he were um, a um, uh, Elvis impersonator I think by now that may have stepped into it's, professional it's more like, like the trope of the uh, the guy in the crazy house that thinks he's Napoleon or that yeah. <laughs> I love how, like, when they eventually start talking about his backstory and stuff and him finally meeting Optimus Prime that he got his name wrong. I, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was like, I, like, because, like, he meets a thousand different, like, soldiers and whatnot. He can't possibly remember everybody by name. But, like, it was just like, God, that's so just. Uh, uh, let's step out into the continuity there, which is, like, if you're an impressive Transformers reader who's been reading for years, apparently that's actually something that happened in earlier books. Uh, or, and like like explanation, like those little things that came with the toys and stuff. When two characters, the thing about Transformers is, and one of the reasons why it's really confusing for people who are only casuals, uh, is that there's the Japanese line and then there's the American line. And a lot of times something will exist in one and then get renamed in a different one or something changes. And I believe that character who was mis, who was called the wrong name by Optimus was actually referred to as the wrong name by Optimus in a comic, in a, like an 80s comic. That's really clever. 
And then they were like, oh, you know that little, that, that typo, that production error, that thing that, because nobody really gave a crap back in the 80s, yeah. let's make it part of his character now. That he has a chip on his shoulder, he has an issue, because Optimus didn't get him the, call him the right name. Do we know if Pyro was created for this book? He was, I think. If I'm he was? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm wondering if he was based, I remember one of the toy lines where Optimus Prime was a fire truck. Like inexplicably. Oh yeah, that was that was like a, that was the Japanese one that that was the first Japanese one that they did that got ported over to America. Yeah. There's so a, I'm wondering if this is if Pyro is an attempt to explain that why you a, have an Optimus Prime that, that looks like a fire into truck, a fire yep. truck. which is a, also supposed to be in G1 continuity, like way into the future as well, which is so like crazy. It's just interesting, like all these little Easter eggs that exist in Transformer comics that serve no purpose. They are entirely <laughs> like. Like Easter eggs for the toy collector and the comic book reader. Normally, like in comic books, Easter eggs or references are actually in continuity interesting. They have something to do with the storyline. In this case, I don't really think it does. I think it's just a nod to a toy that came out once. Mm-hmm. Speaking of having no purpose, can anyone explain what Verity was doing in this book? Oh, man. I was going to have a whole paragraph on Verity. <laughs> I normally love that. Well, it, it's a Transformers thing. It's you have, a thing. To, have you have to have a human, human that's human annoying. Punch. She yeah. doesn't do anything. She, uh, no, she does serve the purpose that happens in a lot of Transformers books, which is that we've learned a lot from humanity. We should not be cold robots to each other, but, even though we are. But did they really learn anything no. from her? He said he did, so there I, go. <laughs> he did. That's how it works in writing. Fair enough. I feel like the best she does is that one scene where she convinces everybody not to kill Impactor. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's a good scene, but she takes up a lot of screen time. And she doesn't, yeah, yeah, she doesn't really do a lot. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where the art isn't quite on for her Mm. uh, as well. There's a lot of issues with it. Yeah. Um, There there are a lot of little elements in here where, like, you could look at it. I think even uh, Overlord was a toy that came out years ago. Yep. And then they didn't touch him for a while, and they were like, all right, we'll bring him back into this thing, and you make him a super powerful His name sounds important. Overlord was another thing I had, because it seems to fall into the problem that the Michael Bay movies seem to have lately, or actually constantly. You have to tell me, because I have not... I could not understand the the size ratio of Overlord uh. because at one point when we're, we're first introduced to him, he's like a, what a ship, and he falls on top and murders like a bunch of Transformers by landing on them. Mm-hmm. But in some of the panels when they're fighting, he looks like he's the same size as them. He looks like he's tall for them, but not like you completely know? off scale. Yes, but there's times where he looks like a mountain over them. I think part of that is also the fact that there are some really tiny Transformers. So he yeah, may like have just killed a bunch of little pretty ones. Pretty small in comparison okay. to the yeah. other guys. So uh, a couple of the characters that are, I think, worth pulling out. And Al, you're going to have to help me remember who is who, because unfortunately that is a problem. I did enjoy the uh, the Optimus fanboy. Um, Pyro. And it, we, we discussed him a bit. I think that was kind of cute. There was uh, the character, the, the uh, which was a very weird choice to do this. The one character who was uh, who had two different names, Iron Fist and Fist Iron, which was his username. Physitron, I think. Physitron. Physitron. Oh, was it Physitron? Yeah, I read it as yeah. Fist yeah. Iron. I'm like, no. this is the stupidest <laughs> code name I've ever heard. Well, it, it was a, still a pretty damn stupid yeah, code Fis- name. It was yeah. like, obviously, the letters rearranged. Yep. <laughs> I thought he was an interesting addition the concept of he didn't earn a, a seat amongst the wreckers and I don't we, we, I don't want to go full spoiler but at the same time like the, the his doubt felt genuine 
and the, the the twists and turns of the story that reveal what whether or not the reasons he's he's amongst them is interesting. And again, reading a little background, the fact that it is tied into the history of a, of a character that was not very well established beforehand, if at all, it, it, there is depth definitely continuity here that's worth following for people who are into the series. My question is: Is it a good jumping on point for anyone? I'll be honest. I I was lost through most. You were lost. I, I was yeah. happy when I got to actually see Cup and Ultra Magnus, and I was like, "Hey, guys, I remember." <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's cool. And then all of a sudden, they were pretty much gone for like the second half of the story. Mm-hmm. I'll say, um, I, I was very confused on, on a number of things. I did not understand when this took place in terms of continuity, mm, okay. like in relation to when the Autobots first emerged on Earth. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I, I felt, I was very confused about what counts of stuff that I knew from generation one and what doesn't apply to this. Interesting. Did they crash land on prehistoric earth and hibernate for a billion years before emerging? You know, did that happen? What's Optimus Prime's status right now? That's interesting. Yeah. I, so for me, I never, I didn't question any of that. Not because I knew, but because I was like, this takes place sometimes after they, after the Autobots have been introduced to Earth. I think maybe there was an asterisk that said after all hailed Megatron. So maybe I had a little bit of a heads up. And the only, the only thing I noticed going back and looking for it that gave you the indication that they had been on Earth already was the fact that Verity's there. Yeah, exactly. That's what my point is. It's like they, they obviously know what humans are and what Earth is. There's a galaxy-wide or, uh, war going on between Decepticons and Autobots. Something's happening with the Decepticons and Autobots war. And it's always been filler for me anyways. I don't really... Like, it's all MacGuffin. I didn't really care. And I thought... I, I was taking this just as a, a story about this crack group, uh, this suicide squad of soldiers going to free a planet. I have problems. I had problems following some of it so I could see why it would be hard for someone to go as a jumping on point. But as somebody who likes war stories, and particularly gritty ones, if that happens to be you, oh dear listener, I think this is a good place for you to go in. Um, perhaps you'd have a better time if you weren't a Transformers fan fan or at least that you didn't have a lot of transformers history um, like generation one history possibly if you're not trying to fit it in yeah if you're just going like all right these are giant robots that are fighting each other i know a little bit about the movies i'll read this comic book because i like war stories i think you've got some bullet points in here that are really powerful and i'll say just as far as the narrative of the story goes i think it's actually a pretty tight story I think the the pacing is very good when you when it's self-contained. Whether you're reading it one issue at a time or all in one sitting, I think it's a very satisfying story, narratively speaking. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so fair warning. Now we're going to get a little spoilery with this. All right, so Impactor and Springer. Let's talk about them first. They're they're dynamic. Springer is the leader of the, the Wreckers. Current the current leader of leader. the Wreckers. And they're, they're effectively the Wreckers are there to, to free uh, the once an Autobot hero, but now a pariah in jail. Uh, I'm stalling for time. I don't Impactor. remember. Impactor. I don't know. The, this is a problem. These characters do not distinguish was, each other that was my, my problem. at all. All See, right. I don't, I, I don't know. It's, I can tell the difference between those two characters. Yeah, I just, and like what, with their roles in the story. Yes, but I, as an individual personality, not so much. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't describe what Impactor is like. 
Uh, well, I don't know if I agree with that, but let's go into yeah. this right away. Once uh, Autobot hero and now a pariah in prison, Impactor, the former leader of the Wreckers. I actually really like their dynamic throughout the book. Because we're not told exactly what their relationship is as it starts. Something we have to learn throughout this. And what we sort of think we know what it is. That um, Impactor has done something. But like, oh, he was probably justified in whatever it was. And, you know, Autobots are just being you know, flip collar shirt, snot-nosed guys, whatever. And like, like he's Spr- the rebel that needs to get it done. And Springer's just being too obtuse about it. He just needs to let it go. And like, really. Did you feel that? I didn't. I totally, from the beginning, when I realized that Springer. Uh, Spinner um, had turned state's evidence against Impactor and put him in Autobot jail. I can't believe I just said that sentence. Um, <laughs> when he put him in there, I assumed Impactor did something disgusting. Because in the book, we've already established that people will be put on pikes, that people's uh, robot entrails will be pulled out, and, and that there are war crimes. And I'm like, this guy is a leader of a squadron of people who do the dirty work that's too dirty for the Autobots. I'm like, this guy killed babies. <laughs> Whatever a Transformer baby is, they're on the bottom of his boot. I knew that from issue one. And I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like this guy was a, a criminal. I did not I did not think that it was just the stuff shirt that put him in jail. I, I assumed that he was a traitor of some sort. Yeah. I I assumed that he had betrayed the Autobots uh, in general or the Wreckers specifically, and uh, that was why he was in prison. Or I thought, oh, no, he's he's a double agent. Oh, all right. It's like, oh, they they, they put him in prison so that he could, uh, I I don't know. When you rub his logo one way, it turns into an Autobot. (laughs) Cold Order makes him into a Decepticon. I don't remember how that, I I know that there were a few that Mm -hmm. had that. It rusted the screws. That was the problem. Oh, I see. (laughs) So you, yeah, you actually were like, you you were on uh, Springer's side? I I was on a... I mean, no, I wasn't on Springer's side. I was on Impact. I kind of was on Impactor's side. I thought that he was like, yeah, he oh, probably yeah, yeah. did I'm something. Sorry. I read that wrong. Yeah, yeah you yeah. were on Impactor's side. You're like, eh, it was it was probably just some light treason. <laughs> <laughs> he probably just crossed the line just a little too much. And like, we do find out that I'm not necessarily wrong. He does cross a line, and it's arguable whether or not he should have. He murdered people who were already. He humiliated and murdered people who had already surrendered. That's. Absolutely, uh, but like, he, he humiliated and murdered a bunch of psychopathic killers. Yes, who had already surrendered. Yes, so that's the thing that makes it kind of gray. Is like I'm not necessarily I, I don't agree with him, but it was he had the choice at that moment to we either let them go or I kill them. All right, then I'm gonna I'm gonna and dial that's it back. A, I'm gonna dial back a little bit more. Yeah. What about shooting a hole through his friend? Oh no, screw him at that point. <laughs> like, well, that's different. That was <laughs> hilarious because the first the the Roshimon moment of the first time uh, he was explaining how it happened. He's like, remember when you totally willingly to- you instructed me to shoot a hole in your chest so I could shoot through you? That was great. Remember that? That was awesome. That's the story we're sticking with. You had that thing where you can't feel pain, right? And I'm like, oh, this is weirdly... I don't know. This story does not feel like it holds water at all. And then like a few pages later, it does not hold water. (laughs) (laughs) That's just horrible. I think the bigger problem with that incident was the fact that he lied about what happened and I guess kind of altered... The memories. I, I think the, the, the official record was wrong. Yeah. I think it was however hard. it yeah, worked. Yeah. But I mean, I, I was very nebulous on what exact negative effects shooting a hole through a transformer's chest. It's have. true. Like you can't tell me that that, that isn't just insulting. 
Because he's like, oh, come on. I was using that chest. It was my <laughs> favorite chest. You don't yeah. really know. Because he seems fine. No, I get, it. We were, I get it. I get it. We were going to die otherwise. But, I mean, you know, it, it's it's an inconvenience. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, you shot right through my favorite jacket. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we did get some semblance of, like, we do understand they feel pain. And getting shot through the chest while not killing them is still like getting shot through the chest. But it's but also, he also better than not dying. But he basically said, yeah. well, you could turn off your pain receptors. So no. just do that. But he couldn't do that. They established that that was oh, part yeah. of the lie. Wait, I can't do that. You remember you have that power where you don't feel pain? No. That's not a thing. <laughs> we all feel pain all the time. And so uh, I, I, there's other there are some other highlighted characters in there. I liked um, what's his face who dies when he's trying to pilot the two ships through the ship. Oh, rotor he's, storm. He was so like, let me just do a good job. Gee willikers. And then he blew up. <laughs> I'm glad he died. No, I love his, his line when they crash in there and overlords are like and he has that one great moment of like, oh, well, you didn't expect this overlord. Wreckers combine. And then like that is pretty good. I actually <laughs> thought they were going to they were going to they were going to combine. Who gets their face punched off? A lot of people. No, somebody literally, their face ends up on on, on Overlord's hand. At some point, he's like, huh, that's, didn't know those things that could happen. <laughs> I was like, that's really, that's was too that much. The midget, was, I think that was the midget transformer. Was there a midget transformer? What? I'm not imagining that one, right? There was one wrecker that's like much smaller than Very? I think Iron Fist is pretty not, small. Oh, Guzzle also, but Guzzle, Guzzle. survived. Guzzle survived. Though. Oh, well, thank God. <laughs> um, any other characters we want to highlight in this? Rarity was nothing but... Uh, I like the fact that they kept saying all she's good for is getting them into trouble, which was like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Cup also, was in it. What, what, what service do you perform to the Transformers? Why, why are you there? Mascot. Uh, Maybe she's supposed to eat the rats on the ship. I don't she's know. She's their orco. Yeah. Uh, she did the 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 stereotypical human thing of stowing away on the ship to go on the adventure. Yeah, as well. Really uh, Jesus. Oh, but she had reasons. Mm, We're not exactly made privy to them, but they assure us that she had reasons. Yeah. I did like Iron Fist's. Uh, is that right? Yeah. 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 I did like Iron Fist's his his devotion to the myth of the Wreckers. Uh, the bullet in the side of his head was a wonderful little uh, illustration. That little mm. that, the hole in his in his skull, which was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There was some. There was some. And and I think Overlord as a villain was really impressive. And his motivations were cool, like wanting. Uh, wanting Megatron to notice him, wanting Senpai to notice him. He's like, <laughs> please, just come and try to destroy me. That's all I want. Yeah, I thought that was great. I really like him as a bad guy. Um, and this is unfortunately not his only story because uh, as much as I enjoy Last Night of the Wreckers, like he, this is a villain that really deserved to shine on his own in mm -hmm. another story. And I love his motivation, just like you said. It's just that whole thing of like, what can I do? What atrocities can I create that will get him to come here and take care of me? And what defeats him, I... Honestly, when you look at it, it isn't just that, like, you know, Iron Fist strategy works off. It's like, dude, he's dead. What? And he just realizes, like, oh, God, everything I've done. That like, Megatron has been dead this entire time. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I don't. He'll never get sent by to notice him now. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> like that he became uh, the Terminator at the end of this. That was really cool. That, yeah, was, that was, was really cool. I've never seen a, them attempt to do that with a Transformer. <laughs> like, oh, what's, the, uh, what's underneath all that? Uh, okay. I really disliked all the transformations. Everybody turned into something I was deeply uninterested in. And sometimes yeah. I was confused by. I was like, "What are you? What's your thing?" They all kind of turn into basic, nondescript space vehicles. Yeah, like and that is why I fell out of Transformers didn't, uh, as a child. Didn't uh, didn't Pyro turn into a I don't know alien fire truck? 
<laughs> Essentially. Possibly. Because a future fire truck, yep. a future alien fire truck. Um, like, that is such a disappointing thing about it, because, like, it's it's weird, because Roche and, uh, and Guido can really, like, get, like, robots really right. But, like, they're not one of the artists that I think nail those alt modes and really mm -hmm. make them work. Like Milne or Corn Howell, they really nail those out those alt modes because when you see jets flying, they look like really look cool like jets. jets, and it's yeah. like the yeah. cars look like really fast cars that are driving around. Like, like yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate it if they, you know, even if they're not drawing them that well. Yeah, if you just commit to a, a really distinct design right. or some sort of logic between the different uh, alt modes. Yeah, I agree. So I think it's time to uh, do a review for this book. Uh, Ken, you seem le least interested, so probably could go through this the fastest. What, what do you think? Um, I thought uh, for as a story, it, basically it was kind of enjoyable. I'm not a big war story type mm. guy. Again, I was lost with the, the characters and the development of the characters. Um, I'm going to... I'm on borderline fair or good with this book. Okay, that seems reasonable. Mm -hmm. I, uh, again, like Ken, I'm not a big war story kind of a fan, but it, I think the story was solid. I think it was a good war story bogged down with Transformers mythos. Mm. The Transformers mythos just introduced too many questions and things that got in the way of enjoying the story. So I'll, I'll give it a solid good. All right. Uh, for me, I, 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 there were times when I was a little distracted and I lost uh, lost pace of it. I think you need to be in the sweet spot of either being way up into current IDW mythology for the Transformers or separated enough from the old stuff where like you could just let it, let it roll over you and be like, it's okay. For a war story and for a graphic telling of robots, be like this is robots beating the hell out of each other in an arena where they just... To fight to the death for no reason. I used to watch that on Comedy Central. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I'm going to give it a near mint. I did enjoy it a lot. But yeah, you have to be buyer beware on this one. Don't go in it expecting you understand everything. I'm going to say, I'm surprised on my rereading of this, um, how a lot of your complaints came to light while I was reading it. And why maybe you at home didn't realize there was a lot of nodding on my part while everyone was saying their complaints. Mm -hmm. Because... I remember really liking this, and I came in here like reading like, oh, this is gonna be mint, this is gonna be great. And it is a very critically acclaimed book, but having reread it, I'll tell you right now, Frank, there was no preamble to this. It doesn't matter how in the yeah, IDW you shocking. were at the time, there was no none of almost none of these characters had any build up beforehand. So you walking in on this as is, this is what you got. And I'll be real and say, like, yeah, I think it's I think it's Still near mint. I, I was hoping to get mint on it, but it's iconic in its own universe. It's iconic for IDW. I still will give it that credit, but man, does it not hold up the way I thought it was yeah, going to. I think it stands on its own, but I don't know if it's quite the the, the watershed Transformers book. Maybe we'll find it. Uh, we'll do a quick review right now for another book. Let's do uh, Spotlight Cup. Cup is a character we uh, most of us are more familiar with. He's the grizzled old-timer in the Transformers mythos. I was shocked by this book in a different <laughs> way. This was, uh, this is uh, the, like, Walking Dead meets Cup. It, I did not think that was going to happen. Art style, far more distinctive. And it's not just because I recognize who Cup is, and it may be because Cup is one of the few characters that shows up. But it is, like, you can tell that the characters are not these block fests living in robot world. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, again, super strange to me that this was a... Um, a world where people just died for... Like, Cup, just to explain, again, full spoils in it, Cup kills people who try to rescue him, right? Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for that. 
Like, there's no good reason for that. You would never even hear, like, if you did a, a world where Superman was in a, on a red sun planet and he's hallucinating and the Justice League keeps sending people to try to rescue him, but he keeps fighting them off because he thinks they're zombies, he's not murdering people. For some reason, Transformers are like, yeah, sure, everyone dies all the time. It's such a war movie in a comic book form. I'll tell you one of the biggest excuses I think they do this for is because Transformers has so many damn characters like i'm not saying the superhero the dcu and the you know the marvel don't either but each one of those characters will sometimes have their own book transformers just has transformers so all of these guys are sort of like you know you're waiting around for when they're going to get their story and like idw was in the early in the early days we're like we got a clean house with as many of these guys as possible or else wow. people wonder when the hell they're going to show up and like that's sort of why like you see outback in here and it's just like well let's make sure he's dead at the beginning so people don't ever wonder hey when is outback going to show up oh, man <laughs> he dies literally off it's a transformers thing now you die off panel you die before with off camera it's not you're not going to get a glorious end you're not even going to get an end people are just going to find your corpse so so, I mean, once I've swallowed that bitter pill and know that this is Transformers now, which is weird. The Transformers, Transformers I grew up with, everyone survived every episode and there was a lesson. The movie hit and then suddenly it was like everyone dies all the time. And also we're going to transform into these nondescript space things. And that's like such a weird thing to me that it, the world is different. But I, I enjoyed it. I want to say near mint if you could swallow that kind of story. I, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling kind of generous. I'll, I'll give it an, it's not the kind of story I, I really like. I, I, cause as you know, oddly enough, I'm not a big fan of zombie stories mm -hmm. and this is really a zombie story, but you know what? I'm, I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give it a near mint too. I had the complete opposite, uh, reaction to this when I went back to spotlight cup that I did with Wreckers. Like, I remember not liking Spotlight Cup almost at all uh -huh. when I first read it. And I went back to it recently, and I'm like, this was actually way better than I gave it credit for. I love the Trailbreaker shows up at the end, and, like, Cup has that, mo that, that moment of, like, oh, what? And then, like, immediately, like, forgotten about it. Like, I love the dynamic with Springer and that him and Prowl, like, you know, chewing him out. Like, what did you do for this? Like, like there's a lot of stuff, like, it's really cool in that. Like, so I'm going to say, like, you know, it has some problems. I love the two distinct art styles. They're great. Um, but I'm, I still think there's a couple things in it that just don't make it quite work. I do think the killing is a little much. First yeah. panel, Cup just kills a random robot dude. Like, <laughs> I forgot about him. Yep. He's just a guy. He just so, killed. I'm with everyone else. It's a near mint, but I think this is a good jumping on point as opposed Very to Very good. Yeah, I think it's fun. I don't I don't even I like it's good. If you could read this book and acknowledge that the world is full of robots that murder each other <laughs> and you're okay with that, then maybe you'll enjoy the rest of the Transformers line. Uh hopefully we'll be getting some more war stories from IDW soon. Maybe we'll do a a um G.I. Joe episode upcoming. But I promised a bunch of news from Marvel and DC and others. Uh let's get right into it. We don't have a lot of time, so let's go. Captain Marvel trailer landed approximately everyone in the universe has already seen it mm -hmm. i'm excited for it looks good I like blockbuster video blockbuster video showing up for some reason um, i i was amazed at the cgi creating the blockbuster video store facade to me was less believable than de-aging nick fury and clark gregg yeah they did a great job with that they wow, did. It, that technology is getting better and better man it's gonna be super weird 
did not know scrolls were going to be in this until nope. the trailer. Oh, no. Did not know it. I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a cool story. Something on the internet tells me that that old lady who gets punched <laughs> might be an alien. Yeah. I think the situation is uh, not what it appears on the surface. Uh, I don't see. The funny thing is Pete's not being smug. He actually has an alternative theory than the old lady is a scroll, And it is stupid. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with it, but I do think it's what's going to happen. Uh, I, well, let's hope for it. Um, uh, DC, somewhat a big DC news. Uh, Henry Cavell is maybe Cable. Cable. Uh, who knows? Cable. We we don't know. We don't care anymore because he's not going to be Superman. No. We don't know. He's, for now, he maybe. may be not coming back to the role of Superman. Uh, it's very unconfirmed. They may be casting a new Superman. They may just not have Superman. We don't know. We, we, we know that he, he is not currently playing Superman at, this, at moment. this moment. At the moment of this recording. And they do not... He is not a Superman. Theoretically, do not have any plans to use him as Superman in the near future. I think the most we know is that he's not going to be doing the Superman cameo in the Shazam movie. Oh, that too. We yeah, do that's, know that. that's, I think that's the most we know. Oh, and I don't right. know if that means he's not going to be Superman they're anymore. They're just going to cut the cameo. Yeah, like there's a yeah. lot of uh, like there's well, a big it, load of. Does not it really caring. matter at this yeah, point? Because now we now we're going to have two two actors playing the Jokers, the Joker in these movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm all, pretty all sure actors, Batman is a new bat. Uh, what's his face? Is that a Batman? What's his name? Ben Affleck. Affleck. I don't <laughs> think they ever officially did that. But yeah, well, so here uh, I'm not going to just we're not going to be one of those podcasts where we're just going to talk about this endlessly. Ken. Uh, I think you may be the only person in here who would have an interesting conversation about it. Uh, why don't we, as the the presidents of DC, you and I decide to dump the entire movie uh, universe they've created so far mm -hmm. and elevate all the CW shows to... Uh, I've to been saying that screen. since day one. Why not? It would be fun. Just do it. No one will care. <laughs> Teen Titans <laughs> Go, the animated movie, probably made a lot of money, right? That was a fun movie. It was fun. Let's yeah. just do this. You don't even have to do it exclusively. Just do it and then say, nah, that doesn't count. Are you saying the Teen Titans Go exists in the same universe as Arrow? Yes. All right. Yeah. Like, All they're right. animated and, and, and you know, yeah. Stephen Amell's real? I'm saying that um, uh, Cisco could probably put them all into the Teen Titans Go universe, and I would watch that episode. Yeah, the that same way I watched the Supernatural Scooby-Doo episode, because it would, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it, another bit of um, superhero TV news. There's going to be, this is out of Variety, there's going to be Marvel TV shows for the streaming service, or for Disney's streaming service. I'll say, don't we already have Marvel shows for streaming service? Yeah, but service? this is a game changer. <laughs> Yeah, this is significant. Because apparently they're going to be doing a number of miniseries based on or featuring adventures of the characters from the movies. Played by the actors. Played by, played by the, the actors. So the names that are floating around uh, are uh, Loki and Scarlet Witch, uh, actually played by Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen. Do you have any information on that one? Because in my research on that, I could not tell if they were talking about them each getting their own limited series or if it's a Loki and Scarlet Witch <laughs> miniseries, which I would die for. No, you wouldn't. You'd want to see a Loki and Cat. Uh, uh, I want to oh, see. Yeah, a, I'm going to be honest. I want to see a Loki in anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, apparently, what we know about this, or uh, a cat Dennings, and unfortunately, man. this is one of those situations. I don't like doing it on the show a lot, but we're just recapping things we've read. But this is like a comic book shop conversation. Kevin Feige uh, is going to be in charge of it, like the rest of the MCU movies. What, what? Um, Dude's taking on way too much yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to have. They're going to have big budgets, so uh, enough to. Uh, afford well, is pulling Disney, in man. all those uh, big name stars. They're going to be like six to eight episodes and gradually Disney is pulling its stuff out from other 
company. I don't think I've heard mm. that like Daredevil is leaving Netflix. No, the but Net- certain things. The Netflix original Defenders line, even yeah. though they seem to have canceled the Defenders, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. Uh, that agreement is in place, and we do know, now know that Ant Man and the Wasp is going to be the last uh, movie that Netflix will get. That's crazy. Yeah, that's really disappointing. Cause I, I mean, the balkanization of these products is getting a little iffy. Well, you yeah. know what? I mean, for anyone to start a new streaming service and hope that it succeeds, Disney's doing a really interesting way of trying to make sure that... that yeah. That they come out uh, guns blazing. Disney's the only one that's got teeth, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, D- I like DC products. I like their animated movies. I like all that stuff. But it's not enough for me to have a whole new thing just for DC, just for DC's well, television and the, movies. The fact and comic books. That's the we, thing. We, that's, yeah, the twist. I, that, that's their uh, their edge. Because they're they're including their comic books now, yeah, or yeah. at least a selection. We of. are oh. rapidly approaching the time where you don't own things; you just rent them, which mm-hmm. is uh, good and bad. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of iffy I'm about two it. Minds on that I'm, too. I'm done fighting. And certainly not in this episode. We've got too much to cover. <laughs> but yeah, I think this would be cool. I would especially like that these are two characters that have died in uh, Infinity War. So these are uh, presumably series that take place beforehand, or the series will come out after Infinity Four, Infinity War Four, which would be called Infinity Four. I'm calling it right now, <laughs> Infinity Four, and it's the debut of the Fantastic Four. What? Boom! Uh, now we're we're doing terrible things. Do you think? All right, I'm just asking a panel, everyone. Do you think we're going to get any Fox or other properties in? In Infinity War, Avengers Four, Four, yeah, Avengers Four. I would, you know, what I would almost assume we have a good possibility because just recently I saw Karen Gillan posting that uh, scheduling for her, and they're currently doing reshoots of Avengers right now. Interesting. I kind of hope not. I hope if we get anything, it's you know minor like teasers. I think. We might get a, a Reed Richards name drop, but I think that's about as much as we're probably going to get. I'm hoping for a post-credit sequence, and and that's all I want. That's big. That would see, be pretty big. See, yeah. here's my thing: is I think they would need to rush recasting mm. so fast. Well, I'm talking about a name drop in post-credits. Yeah, like okay, bring it to the Richards. You know, and then, like, something be- something on par with. Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man saying, yeah. let me talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Exactly. Like, and it would be a nice little bow tie. You know, talking to uh, the Scarlet Witch about this school in Westchester. <laughs> I, I actually, I want it less. Uh, I want it less like um, subtle. I want I want uh, Samuel L. Jackson to be like, what the hell are we going to do with these mutants? And just like end. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> now what are we going to do about the mutants? <laughs> All right. So uh, one last thing. Uh, these This is pros- possibly the biggest news coming into Comic Done. Marvel's Infinity Warps comic mashup series. Spinning out of Infinity Wars. The thing you forgot about because Infinity War was so big. Uh, yeah, so uh, effectively, just a quick recap for those of you who haven't read Infinity Wars. Gamora did th- something. Yeah. She collapsed the universe, and now we have an excuse to amalgam up just, a bunch of Marvel characters. Yeah, real quick, just to talk about what's going on with that one, because I find it kind of, sort of interesting. Gamora has collected the Infinity Stones. As you do. And is is ha- now has the power of a god. As you do. And... In order to, uh, because, you know, the the superheroes don't trust her. They don't trust anybody with the Infinity Stones. In order to keep them off her back, she kind of folds the universe in half. 
and mashes everybody together, thereby having the population of the universe, oh, just like oh. Thanos did. Yeah. And and I believe it's Loki points that out to her, and she kind of gets a little pissed off. It's like, <laughs> wait, no, I didn't do the same thing. So, but, so now we've got these amalgams. Right. Oh, did I say amalgam? We're not supposed to say amalgam. So these are some interesting <laughs> mashup characters, I, I think. A couple of them have been announced already. Uh, Iron Hammer, which is going to be Thor and Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks pretty cool. Soldier Supreme, which is Captain America and, they and start, Sorcerer Supreme. They do start Super getting Super. a little weird, like Weapon Hex, I which like, is uh, X-23 and uh, and Scarlet Witch. I really like the design on that, and I like the name. I love it. And then there's Arknight? Arachnite. Arachnite, Spider-Man. Spider-Man and Moon Knight. Which uh, is such a random combination. Oh, I mean. you think that's random? <laughs> what about Ghost Panther? I love that one. That, that is really my looks, favorite. That looks really cool. And a couple new ones that, that since those articles have been coming yeah, we've, out. We've got a Diamond Patch. Which is an amalgamation of Old Man Logan and Emma Frost. That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Wait, hold on a minute. Is it an old Do we have a look on her? Do we uh, no, it, it, no real hints of femininity. It's okay, real. It's, it's like a, uh, if you remember Patch, Wolverine and his Patch yeah. persona in Madripoor with the white jacket tuxedo. This but is, now he's got white hair. This is so stupid. And he can turn into a diamond. This is so stupid. There's so many offensive ways of interpreting oh, this character. And instead of an adamantium skeleton, it's a diamond skeleton. So it breaks very easily. <laughs> Diamonds are hard, man. Like, they're hard, but they're fragile. We're not doing this. <laughs> um, no, we've got... Yeah, I won't get into the uh, the supporting characters for... Why not? Just so- give us a couple of... Okay, who cares? Supporting characters for Soldier Supreme. Uh, we've got... Uh, Dum Dum Fury. Yeah. Stupid. And uh, Bucky Wong. Yeah. Yep. Bucky Wong? Yeah, yeah they, exactly. they together with the soldier, with the sorcerer, uh, soldier Supreme, form the Howling Commandos of Hoggoth. Uh, I, we've, we've, <laughs> I read it. I read Soldier Supreme. Uh, m- uh, Mint? No, I'm not going to do Oh, Mint, no. Mint, <laughs> it's fun. Oh, no. This is it. You have to read. These, I think, are two issues each. I think there's two issues for each of these stories. Maybe even less. Some, yeah, some of them. I think some, some of them just may characters. just be one. Yeah, some of them may even just be walk-ins, like the, yeah. the, the supporting cast. So uh, you're not going to get a lot out of these. You're going to get a little fun of... Yeah, this is cool. I got some of these references. You're Steven. You are basically you're Steve Rogers in the Avengers movie. I know that reference. That's it. That's yeah. all that is. This is a, a that's blast. what this is good for. And if you go into that, you'll have a fun time. What was the name of uh, the uh, the human identity for uh, Soldier Supreme? Was it Stephen Stephen Strange? Stephen no. Stephen Rogers. Oh, Stephen oh, Rogers. Rogers. But it's spelled but it's spelled PH. like PH. So it's not See, I Steve can't Rogers. It's Stephen Rogers. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it, man. I, I know, Ken, you're looking at me like, I'm horrible. Why? Why can't you enjoy things? It's like an alternate universe where the idea of mixing peanut butter and chocolate didn't work. <laughs> I just think some of the, I think some of the names are lazy. Oh, they're very lazy. I like, like offensively lazy. Like the, the mashup of Dormammu and the Red Skull is just Dormammu Red. It which sounds like an energy drink. <laughs> it sounds like they're trying to involve Omega Red in this. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm having a fun time with what I've read so far and even the concept of it. This is, this is fun. It's garbage. I like it better than Amalgam. 
where DC and uh, Marvel characters had to be like shoehorned together because there's always felt like something like weird and commercial about it, it. And I'm not saying that this isn't commercial. It's commercial. It's surprise, I like I like that because they tried to make most of them into feasible characters, right? Like, and it worked sometimes. They had like the similar that. powers and merging, and yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, guys. I think this is. I would rather have this. I'd have more fun with this. Like, th- this is definitely. It feels like it should just be fun, and I'm not. I hope that they. Just stick to it being stupid fun. Oh, if something, you know, if something blows up as a character, that's becoming a real thing. It's not like they made Gwenpool a real character. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. I like those books. The Amalgam books? Yeah. Well, I, then, I then, then, make sure no, you. Gwenpool's great. Well, make sure you pick up uh, Infinity Warps 2, which comes out in December, because I think you're guaranteed to enjoy the Punisher pack. <laughs> Explain this. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, the Punisher is a Marvel character who is a... a oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, everybody knows who the Punisher is? Yeah. Okay. The Power Pack is a group of kids. A, children, fam- yes. a family of children. Or, you know, yeah. four, four, the Four Powers children who get powers from a uh, alien horse and his spaceship. This, <laughs> this is actually true beta ray bill or you actually no 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 it's an actual anthropomorphic horse it's not like he just looks like a horse skull so bojack horseman Horseman shows up and (laughs) no i said he's an alien all right good go on he has a spaceship bojack horseman doesn't have a spaceship go on they're kids they're kids with superpowers they're kids with superpowers and apparently in this this seems like a bad mix in this universe uh the incident where they get their powers also results in the death of their parents okay and instead oh, of being God. kids and looking for a, a nearby orphanage to take them in, they just decide they're going to wreak vengeance wow. on the world. So a little bit of speeding bullets in there. Yeah. Hopefully. A little bit. A little bit there. That's interesting. When can we expect that to that's come out? De- that's December. So All you're right. going to have to hold your breath. And there's there's an additional uh, Infinity Warps number one before that in wow. November. Awesome. Which I think features the Hulk and Black Widow getting mashed up. Uh, we can't. This is a this is a family show. We can't talk about that. And if you can't wait for the next episode of Near Mint, guess what? You don't have to because we have a vast uh, collection of past episodes you might enjoy, including our Infinity Month and Superman Month and a bunch of other ones as well. You could find them on non-productive.com. And better yet, you can subscribe to Near Mint and your favorite podcatcher app. Please do share and give us a, a five-star review and tell your friends and tell your enemies. It really does help a lot. Uh, our next episode should be coming out within a week where we're going back to a full production schedule. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to read some more IDW books, hopefully, and find out if any of these Infinity Warps change my outlook on comic books forever. Because that's what every PR statement coming out of a comic book company does. It's always, this will last forever. Done, done, done. Exactly. Wait. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.